Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. 10-5 victory! Cowboys win! This is Love of the Star. Star. Stop. Welcome Stop. to the Love Star Podcast. I am Bobby Bell, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. Joined as always by former Super Bowl winning NFL scout Brian Broaddus. He is now the co-host of the G-Bag Nation, 2 to 7 p.m. Central, Monday through Friday on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. He is also the pre- and post-game co-host on the Dallas Cowboys radio network. And Brian, as we record this podcast, we are uh, like 11 days away from the Cowboys season opener against the New York Giants. Uh, They have cut down their roster. They did it on Tuesday. The only reason why we didn't record a podcast on Tuesday night is because, well, you got to see what happens with waivers. You got to see what happens with the practice squad, what procedural moves come through, um, and, you know, who ends up going on IR, who ends up being brought back, lots of little handshake deals. So uh, now that the dust has settled a little bit, I'll just quickly recap a couple of the, the big highlights and then, uh, we'll get into some of the particulars of this. Probably the most significant move that occurred, Kelvin Joseph was not released, but he was traded to the Miami Dolphins uh, for former first-round pick Noah in- Igbenogany. That one's going to just trip me up forever, but it's Igbenogany. Iggy. Ryan. Yeah, Iggy. there you go, Iggy. Uh, Noah Igbenogany was traded for, who has been a honestly just a bust in Miami these first three years. Hasn't been very good at all. He He apparently had practiced well during training camp. Um, but the Dolphins were ready to move on. Cowboys were ready to move on from Calvin Joseph, so they made that deal. Uh, Jabril Cox was released. He did not make it to the Cowboys practice squad. He wasn't claimed off waivers, but he chose to sign with Washington's practice squad. Um, Other than that, they keep six receivers. Jalen Brooks does make this roster. Hunter Lipke gets onto the roster as well as the fourth running back. I think that happened last Saturday. I think the Raiders game pushed him onto the roster. I don't know that he was on it before. Um, Josh Ball goes on a season-ending IR. They did not keep him on the roster for a day and then transition him over. So he's just on season-ending IR. Um, but those are some of the the bigger highlights, I guess, from the roster news. Any thoughts on those storylines right there, Brian? Or is there anything else you'd like to kick off with here? Any takeaways about the roster? I think you're right about Hunter Lipke and what he was able to do at uh, that last game. Um, it was kind of interesting because there the more you talk to people within the organization it there's so much love for Sean McEwen there and I just felt like 
it was they're going to keep four tight ends. They're going to keep four tight ends. Never heard, you know, it it was going to keep four tight ends, you know, if John Stevens doesn't get hurt. And that plan quickly faded away once he got hurt. But then now it came down to Hunter Lipke or really Sean McEwen. And I wonder if Linda Wells lost that battle in the personnel room. I wonder when they started to talk about Hunter Lipke and did he have such a good game on Saturday that it just forced the Cowboys' hand because I just don't feel like that Hunter Lipke was it was was all that leading into the Raider game. The fact that they the fact that they featured him the way they did. I think helped him get this opportunity to show what he can do. He's not a traditional fullback. He's really a one-back runner. And I wonder if that's the case, if that's going to be that he is going to be a special teams guy potentially, but then also a guy that comes in on short yardage, just a short yardage. Because he's not like, you know, people are saying, well, Mike McCarthy's played with fullbacks before, and this guy's not like John Kuhn or any of the guys he's had in the past that goes in there and digs linebackers out in space and all that and you know and so I I just it's it, it I, I wonder if John Steven was was still healthy, would Hunter Lipke be on this be on this roster? Because man, I mean it's and not that Sean McEwen was not good. I thought he had some you know, I thought he had some some games uh, where he was okay. There was some times where he wasn't great, but man, that that was. Uh, I honestly didn't have Hunter Lipke on this fifty-three man roster at the end of it, but I could surely respect what you know what he did. Uh, you know, Isaiah Land was a guy that I had on the fifty-three, so that's kind of where I was. You know, there was a couple of those guys I had on, and I asked somebody in the organization about speaking of Isaiah Lamb. And I and I go well, man. I had him on the fifty-three, and they go, "We have plenty of edge rushers. Don't worry about it. We have plenty of edges." So you know, that's sometimes you think that you know. Sometimes you outsmart yourself a little bit when it comes to this roster. It happens. Um, but Land was a guy that I know they they did like. I, I mean, they had some competition for signing him um, as an undrafted free agent out of Florida A and M. They. They stepped up to the table and and made the deal to to get him here, and he had had a good camp and he had shown some flexibility to do some different things for them. So I was right there with you. I was a little surprised by it, but totally understand the thought process there. I'm going to run through the roster really quickly here. Uh, the quarterback group there was three of them: uh, Dak Prescott, Cooper Rush, Trey Lance. Running backs four: Tony Pollard, Rico Dowdle, Deuce Vaughn, Hunter Lipke. Uh, the wide receivers, CeeDee Lamb, Brandon Cooks, Michael Gallup, Jalen Tolbert, Kevontae Turpin, and then Jalen Brooks, who we mentioned there. Uh, I'll just stop down for a brief sec. Surprised that uh, Jalen Brooks ended up on the roster as well? I am a little bit, yeah. I, I am. And, and I, you know, I was I was kind of thinking, okay, they're going to carry five initially. And then I said, you know what? No, this team never carries five wide receivers. I'm sure there's a time we could go back. and they, But it always seems like that they have that one guy – every camp that they fall in love with you know that makes plays early in the camp kind of uh, kind of tapers off a little bit then comes back so you know and they, and this is a team obviously did they they didn't release any of their draft picks did they 
when you look at no. when you that. So they released plenty from the twenty one class. This yeah, year, that's but. what they said. They they took the Tom Landry theory here and said, okay, if you haven't figured this out by year uh, you know year three, that we're going to move on from it. And matter of fact, I didn't see this. Did they bring back Simi Fajoko on the practice squad? I haven't seen. Um, they did not. It does see, not appear. I'm wondering. I think they got a couple spots left. So yeah, it was it was a rough day for that uh, that class of 21 for sure. Yeah, and we'll we'll dive into those specifics about the 21 class because that is something I want to talk about. We'll we'll dive into those specifics a little bit more uh, here later. But running through the rest of the offense or uh, the rest of the roster, tight ends. Like we said, there were three: Ferguson, Hendershot, Schoonmaker. Really quick, was that anything you were surprised of that they ultimately opted for Ferguson or, or that they opted for Hendershot over McEwen? I know we talked about how it got tight, but no. I, I thought I thought throughout training camp, I thought McEwen was actually better than Hendershot. But the I upside was, with Hendershot yeah. is the thing. I thought there were some struggles with Hendershot, and you know maybe there was a possibility that how much they loved McEwen that you felt like that if John Stevens, as we mentioned, kept playing the way he did, then they were going to have to make a decision – but I don't think it ever – I know the media – I know you and I talked about the potential of Hendershot not being there. But I, at the end of the day, they, they like him more than, say, the, the fans do and you know maybe people in the media that were talking about it. Uh, by the way, it appears uh, Simi Fajoko landed with the Steelers practice squad. So that is yeah. where Simi Fajoko is at now. Um, more roster moves here. Cowboys keep uh, – on the initial roster, there, there were some tweaks, obviously, they kept – uh, eight offensive linemen. It was uh, Tyron Smith, Tyler Smith, Tyler Biotish, Zach Martin, Terrence Steele, Matt Willetsko, Awesome Richards, and TJ Bass. They a procedural move put Matt Willetsko on IR after a day, and they brought back Chuma Idoga, who was released initially. Um, but man, a lot of inexperience there. You got two rookies uh, for your depth there in Bass and Richards. And then you've got only one guy with veteran presence now, and Idoga on the 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 depth side. It but wasn't all be, that good either, too. I was about yeah. to say, but to be honest, don't we both feel better about Bass and Richards at this point this than is, we do this Idoga? Is, absolutely, this is where I'm going now because even if I have a problem at tackle and I want to move Tyler Smith to one of the tackle spots, I kind of feel like well, I'll move him to the left side; and he'd be fine because we've seen him play and he was fine. I feel better about T.J. Bass going into a game and playing a guard. I just do. And I feel like it's not going to be pretty or pre- uh, pretty. I said pretty kind of funny there. It's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be, you know, uh, pleasing to the eyes. But the way he plays with toughness, the physicality which he plays with, I think is super, super impressive. So to me, I'm going ch- I'm to I'm – if I have to move, I'll move Smith – and then I'll play I'll play Bass in there at guard. And if I have to play a right tackle, I will clearly uh, I'll clearly go with uh, with what I have to do with Awesome Richards. Defensive side of the ball now they keep uh, a, a ton of defensive linemen. Uh, they've got Demarcus Lawrence, Dorrance Armstrong, Sam Williams, Dante Fowler. Those are your uh, four traditional edge rushers. Defensive tackles or or tweener types here. Mozzie Smith, Jonathan Hankins, Osa Odigizua, Junior Fajoko, Chauncey Golston, and Neville Gallimore. Gallimore with a late push uh, passes uh, Quentin Bohanna, who was left off of the roster. Gallimore, uh, I believe, is due a $1 million player performance bonus now um, from making the 53 on this roster. So uh, he really won out because the Cowboys chose to uh, ultimately pay him that bonus now. 
Um, but Chauncey Golston on the roster as well. It's a little bit interesting. It, it started to develop some some buzz the closer we got to the end of camp. But Golston is a guy who I think definitely was not totally secure by the end of camp. He, I, I think it was more likely than not that he was going to end up here. But it seems like the Cowboys' patience with his development is starting to get tested a little bit. Yeah, and the thing that was surprising to me, though, is – and okay, Golston no, – excuse me. Gallimore last year, doghouse, survived, and now, you know, I, I, I'm going to say this, Bobby, and, and maybe you could prove me right or wrong. I think Sharif Floyd had a big influence on keeping Gallimore on this roster. I could believe that. Yeah, I think that there I was that. I think there was some legitimate sponsorship going on here. I think Sharif Floyd, new assistant uh, defensive line coach. I'm right about that, right? His first year yep. with yep. the team. I think there's some I think there's some sponsorship going on here with him. And but they've got to figure out what's going on at that three technique behind. And maybe they didn't feel like that Golston was doing it well enough. And yeah. that's why they kept because I thought that Gallimore and 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 Bohanna both were gone. And you know they were going to move on and you know. see I'm I'm from the school of I don't want anybody impeding any progress that Mozzie Smith might make. I don't I don't yeah. want if I don't want a coach or McCarthy or any I mean I don't want any of these people to tell me that like oh no we're playing Gallimore because and you know and then Mozzie's not getting any work. I don't want to see that. So to me. I'm maybe this is more about him Gallimore playing the three, and maybe it's what you're talking about with Goldston a little bit. And I think there was some sponsorship involved with Sharif Floyd. It's a, it's not a bad theory, I don't think. And uh, I, I mean, look, I could definitely see Gallimore's skill set being one that Sharif Floyd would be a big fan of. Um, the linebacker group now, you know, we all call Micah Parsons a linebacker. He's basically an edge, but we're going to call him a linebacker for this group. Leighton, Vander Esch, Damone Clark, Devin Harper, they choose to run just with four linebackers. The safeties, that, yeah. It was all those yeah, safeties. And how much nickel do you play? How much yeah. you know, How much nickel? I mean, we see a lot of two-linebacker look for this team. And I kind of felt like that if there was a position that they were going to trade for or, or claim on, I thought offensive line and linebacker. Did neither. Did neither. So they're comfortable with what's going on with, uh, you know, with Bell playing down, Thomas playing down, Curse playing down, Wilson playing down. You know, they're 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 totally okay with that. Totally okay yeah, with that. Yeah. And what's interesting though is, uh, and we'll go into the practice squad a little bit more later. But uh, you know, Malik Jefferson's the only practice squad linebacker, and when you consider Parsons as an edge, that means. With essentially 70 people in your building at your disposal, you have four linebackers, four true traditional yeah. linebackers, and one of them is a, a very injury-prone individual in Leighton Vander. So it just seems like they've put themselves in a bit of a tight position if somebody, one of those more traditional linebackers, happens to get hurt, but that's what they chose to do. Does this also just speak to how low they had gotten on Jabril Cox? That is, they chose to run this thin and just release him. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, it's it's a shame, you know, it's a shame that 
that they moved on from. I think again, I, I'm an LSU guy, so I you know I, I hate to see LSU players get released, but you know he he needed to show more. You know they, we always talk about oh he's good in coverage and he's do, good at doing this and he's sideline to sideline and all that. But then you really watch him play and, like, the run at him, you know. He struggled with that. He struggles to get off blocks, you know. I, I just, you know, I think that knee injury really affected him as a player. We'll see. Yeah. You know, he's he's a guy. Now he's gone to the commanders. It's it's worth a, you know, just a, it's worth a, a peek just to kind of keep an eye on a, a player like that. Him and Isaiah Lamb, uh, you know, Land, excuse me, if they, you know, you keep an eye on those guys because they were part of what you were doing and you had a chance to keep them around. But there's nothing that Jabril Cox really did that warrant him being on this football team. I, I didn't see it. I just didn't see it on a down-in, down-out. And he got a lot of chances here. You know, he got a lot of chances to play in games and stuff like that. You know, and it seemed like that – you know, guys like Bell and others were showing up a lot more uh, than, you know, than what you were, you know, Harper showing up more. So I, it's it's a thin group though, but they do believe in the amount of that, the way they use those safeties. So I'm sure that's, uh, that's the route they're going to go. They run with seven corners right out of the gate. It's Trayvon Diggs, Stephon Gilmore, Deron Bland. Jordan Lewis activated from Pup. They believe he'll be back uh, sometime in the first three games or, or four weeks because, uh, of course, if you end up on Pup's start. He practiced today. Yeah, he, he was, I, on the, he was on, yeah, we were at practice today. He was, on the, he was on the second nickel playing slot. Is what he was doing. So and so after that, behind there, uh, you've obviously got the newly acquired Noah Igbenogany. Uh, Eric Scott Jr. makes the roster. Nashawn Wright was on the initial roster. That was a pup move or, or a, an IR move. He gets placed on IR, and then that's bringing back the long snapper you initially cut, Trent Sieg. So right. uh, special teamers, Trent Sieg, uh, Brandon Aubrey, uh, and then Brian Anger, of course. And then rounding things out here, the safety group: it's Donovan Wilson, Jaron Curse. Uh, Malik Hooker, Israel Mukwamu, Wanye Thomas, and then the hybrid safety linebacker, Marquise Bell. So that is your Cowboys roster as it stands right now. Um, Brian, any uh, before we wrap up here on, on just the specifics of the 53, any additional thoughts here that you want to touch on? I'll tell you what, again, we mentioned about uh, the, the secondary. And, you know, I, I think that Eric Scott's going to be fine. But man, that poor kid—he took a beating, and yeah. you know. Uh, when, but he was having to cover. You know, they're throwing him out there, and he's covering. Uh, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba. He's, you know, he's he's dealing with the Jacksonville receivers. I mean, everybody. It was like you know, he was dealing with like these first, you know, these first team wide receivers, and you know, there was maybe a little confidence problems. Maybe you know, maybe it was a little too big for him, but. That you know, there, there's there's enough to work with there. You know, there's times where he was knocking the ball down, he was just fine and and doing things like that. But you know, overall though, they 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 these guys are going to protect their draft. They are absolutely going to protect their draft. You know, and you know that's kind of where uh, you know where they're at. And and uh, you know, even though there might have been some guys that had you know maybe played a little bit better, you know, no, I mean, and I think that. I think that, you know, with Junior Fajoko, it's the same way. You know, did you see enough from Junior Fajoko to really say, wow, he's a, 50, he's a 53, you know? I think those are, if you want to be honest, the, you know, who is, who is this year's uh, 
uh, you know, defensive tackle, you know, like the kid that was from Arkansas. That, John uh, Ridgeway. Ridgeway, who's the 53rd player, you know, on this team? Because if somebody comes available or they have to make a move, I'm kind of I'm kind of curious who that guy that guy will be. And I don't know. Do they yeah, a, a Doga is you know in your mind who is the 53rd player? Do you have a Do you have a guy a man? 50, 52, um, 53? Yeah, I mean, it's always somebody. Because they didn't claim anybody, you know, but you wonder if somebody gets put on waivers that's better than in the next couple of days. You know, if they could claim a guy, who would they put on the street? And I'm, I'm always interested in players 51, 52, and 53. That's My what, immediate inclination is uh, Brooks and Wanye Thomas. I think those, they those, love those Wanye Rams, Thomas. I think they do too, but I mean, I also think that they – it's just tough because the corner – the reason why I think – you're not only talking about protecting your draft with Eric Scott. You're also talking about protecting your investment because they gave up a fifth-round pick this year to go get him. So, I mean, yeah. you've already you, – they that, that's kind of sunken cost fallacy a little bit. But, I mean, it's also early. They knew he was raw, and I think they felt like, hey, there's there's some work that needs to be done here, and, and he, we're going to have to spend some time working with him. Yeah. Um, but he's somebody who – I don't think they want to move on from Eric Scott, so it's it's tough with the corner room. Who do you move on from? Um, because now that you put right on on IR, I would guess fifty got Hunter Lipke, Lipke Brooks, Jalen Brooks. I would guess it's it's guys like that that we're talking about. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, by keeping a guy on like Adoga on right the first week, he's guaranteed, but he doesn't make any money. I mean, he's not. It's not something that yeah. would just wipe you out if you move on from him. Yeah, you're listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast mother's day is around the corner find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from blue nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones blue nile has something she'll adore need it fast most items can ship overnight Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 
All right, before we move on to the next topic here, I need to remind you guys about our wonderful partner here at the Love the Star podcast. It is Boomer Jacks. And I keep telling you guys about Boomer Jacks, specifically what Boomer Jacks has ready for you on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. It's great wing deals. On Tuesdays, it's half-price bone-in wings. Wednesdays are half-price boneless wings. But they have great deals for you the rest of the time, too. They got drink specials starting at $3. They have $15 buckets of beer. There are wall-to-wall TVs. Every sporting event you could ever imagine is on the televisions there when you go to Boomer Jacks. They have TVs in the bathroom. There's literally not a time where you will miss a moment of the action. Live music. Like I said, wall-to-wall TVs, great drink specials, great food. It's just a fantastic atmosphere for whatever you're looking for. And it's why we're so excited to have them as our partner here at Love the Star. There are 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That's boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian. So uh, before we dive into the specifics of the second round for or, or the uh, the 2021 draft uh, from a couple years back, I want to quickly just run through the names that we got uh, on the practice squad Malik Davis, Sean McEwen, Jalen Moreno, Cropper, uh, Alex Taylor Prielo, who you know I was I'd been a fan of near the end. Earl Bostic, uh, the tackle out of Kansas, uh, Tyron Johnson, the receiver, Brock Hoffman, offensive lineman who kind of does everything. Matt Farniak does not end up back here. They they go ahead and move on from him completely. Malik Jefferson, C.J. Goodwin is back as a defensive back. He's probably a game day elevation. Yes, still their special teams ace. Uh, Sheldrick Redwine, the safety. Josh Butler, corner, who Butler made some plays in that final preseason game. Man, he made more plays than uh, than your than what you were talking about, you know, with Eric Scott. To be honest with you, you know, he made yeah. more made more plays, and so definitely in games. Yeah, and, yeah, and he did. He looked good, and I'm. You know, good for him to get back on the practice squad, though, for what he was able to do. Rest of the group here, Tyrus Wheat, the defensive end out of Mississippi State. Uh, Princeton Fant, the tight end, the rookie tight end. A guy who, uh, you know, we talked about uh, sort of prominently early on in training camp because of how much Dak Prescott was just kind of on his case in a practice one day. And I think that's an example of how much they they kind of believed in him a little bit and they wanted to pull that out of him. Uh, Darrell Johnson, the defensive end. Uh, and so that's the group there. They do lose out on Isaiah Land, like we mentioned, um, but pretty much get everybody back that I think they wanted. The thing I want to look at here with you, Brian, though, is the the 2021 draft and and how things have have changed a little bit, how things have shifted now. Um, with the, the moving on from Kelvin Joseph, that was a significant one. But just on this cut down alone, Brian, uh, this is everybody who they moved on from in that 21 draft. Kelvin Joseph, uh, Jabril Cox, Semi Fahoko, Quentin Bohanna, Matt Farniak. That is five guys right there. Ball went to IR. He very easily could have been a cut guy if they if they didn't run into the uh, you know the hip issue. Um, and then you know we mentioned Chauncey Golston, Nashawn Wright. Were these guys that were potentially on the bubble as well? That gives you the only guys in that class right now: Micah Parsons. Osa Odigizua, and then a nominal contributor, and maybe you don't expect a ton from a six-rounder, but a nominal contributor in uh, in Israel Mukwamu. But overall, they had kept that class here on the roster together for two years now. Um, it was a ton of players to carry over, but it just felt like a little bit of a breaking point for this class where they're like, all right, it's time to step up, and they just didn't see enough of it. How would you classify that 21 class as it stands right now because 
Parsons is such a win and such yeah. a victory. Yeah. Um, how how do you classify that and, and wrestle with some of the decisions that ultimately how they've played out? Well, I think it's I think it's very much a situation right now where, you know, Parsons clearly was the win, was the big win for this class. But you look at though what they went through with you know, with and Dan Quinn was such a big part of what they were doing with that, you know, that class. You know, he came in, he put his stamp on a couple of different players. We talked about, you know, what they were able to do with, um, you know, he went to Lexington, Kentucky. They took a gamble, you know, um, on the corner there. Uh, Kelvin Joseph, yeah. Kelvin Joseph. They took a gamble on, and I know it's a six-round pick, but, man, you know, Dan was a big part of going to those workouts, you know, and, and we will see, you know, with the, with the you know, the Nation rights and the, you know, and, the, and, and just how these guys, how it will all play out. Uh, Mukwamu, you know, he looked good last year. It looked like he re- reverted back to some bad habits in training camp. Some poor. I do play. think he, that was injury related a little bit. Okay, well, but yeah, if it, if it was injury related, you know, then don't or I'm practice. Hoping. I'm hoping a little. Yeah, bit. Yeah, I'm hoping Maybe. too. Yeah, but to me, it, it just seemed like it was. This was a class that he and I, again, I'm you know as much as you, I think you have to be fair. As much as we praise Dan Quinn, we also have to say that he put his stamp on a lot of those players. You know, and I'm not trying to be mean or negative or anything like that, but you know, you look at the group as a whole, and their defense is good. But are those guys that we're all talking about? Like I say, two of those guys are gone. You know, one of the guys is on you know injured reserve right now, and then you know we'll see if McQuamu does anything. But they, it's a, it's 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 a group that uh, is. Uh, you know, is is far from being really where they thought they were going to be a couple of years ago. Well, and they've had so much success uh, drafting uh, and and developing. And I think when you look at that twenty one class, even last year, right? Like, like I mean, I, I you know, I think heading into last year, heading into year two, I think a lot of people felt like you know, Odigizua and Golston were going to take the jump. I remember training camp; we felt like Nashawn Wright was having some good practices last year. Um, and I know he had a, a, a really rough game at one point during the preseason. I think it was the first one, but he bounced back, played well in the games after that. So I think we all felt like, okay, maybe Nashawn Wright comes on a little bit. Yeah. Jabril Cox, we just didn't know about. Um, mm-hmm. I know there were always ex- expectations for, uh, you know, Simi Fajoko. We had uh, expectations for Bohanna. Um, so it, it really has kind of all just come together really quickly. It feels yeah. like just this month where it feels like, wow, that this – this draft class has not panned out the way you wanted it to. The big miss for me there, obviously, is is Joseph. Yeah. Um, and and not just because he's the highest pick that they've already moved on from, but it's because it felt like all the issues you ran into with Kelvin Joseph through you know throughout his time here with the Cowboys were all things they were well aware of. And I don't know, Brian. It, you, you've been in these draft rooms, and so you know how this this process works. When they, they're they grading the players, and they got their yeah. tags up there on the board, and this is the way that I tried to describe it on the radio this week, is that, you know, they, they've got the players up there, but, it, like, you know, that guy's name may be in red or whatever else, and just yeah. kind of like, you know, 
and there's a marking on the tag, maybe a you know maybe a sticker or a color or something. Okay, why why is there a yellow sticker on that guy? Well, maybe it's because of an off the field stuff, or maybe it's because of failed tests or whatever. But you, there's always ways to kind of doctor the tag to know why you have the player in a certain round. And is that is does, is it as simple as a discussion in that moment? Where if it's they're in the second round and they're looking at the pick and they're looking at Calvin Joseph, is it as simple as okay, do we want this guy that we we clearly believe in as this player, but he's flagged, or do we like the lower player who's not a little like who has the biggest say at that point? Because I would imagine for the personnel department, they just go, we've graded the players, this is what we think of them, we've given you all the information. Now it's up to you guys to decide if you want to deal with it or not. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I did a lot of work on Kelvin Joseph coming out because. He went to my school and then he transferred to Kentucky. And I just I it, it's so strange looking back because the, the the guys said the exact same thing about oh, he's a good kid, but trouble's always, you know, he's not in trouble, but trouble's always within arm's length, you know, and some things played out for him. And but I'll I'll say this. I mean, I it must have been something really, really um, that got them off their game here because I'll say Kelvin Joseph played better this training camp. He really did. I mean, when you watch him, there's okay, there's a lack of awareness on some things and stuff like that. But he, he made himself a really good special teams player. And then he got an opportunity to play some slot. You see him cover. You see him knock down some balls. You see him, you know, maybe, maybe not every single play is against him, but he, you saw kind of a productive guy. And maybe it just got to the point where they're like, you know, we just don't want to deal with some of the other stuff. Maybe there's more there. Maybe there's more that we don't. But I didn't think that – I thought he was going to make the team because I just thought that Bones Fossil wouldn't let a special teams guy go like that. And the fact that he had shown some stuff, it was a little bit, it was a little bit surprising. But there, we don't know the complete story. Now, there's stories we know from LSU. There's stories we know from Kentucky. And again, I'll say this, this one's on Dan Quinn because Dan Quinn was the one that went and did that workout. But but there's people in the sky department. There's people in the legal department. There's a lot of people that had to vouch for this player for him to get drafted, and it just didn't work out. When, when, they, when they go through that process of figuring out the character flags or identifying it, is, is, does the personnel department weigh in on whether they believe they can handle the character concerns, or is, does that usually come down that's to... The, that's the GM, yeah, that's the head coach. See, that's the thing I remember about, you know, with working with John Snyder there in Seattle. And I and John and I came from a program in Green Bay where it's like, you know, character guys, you had to really, you know, you had to be that special player to be a character guy on our board and for us to take you. And John told me one time, he's like, listen, Pete Carroll has convinced me that sometimes with some guys with some checkered past, that Pete could take them and he could coach them and they'll be just fine. You know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But John's like, I, you know, I don't, I, I mean, I'm, I'm high on taking character guys. But Pete's kind of convinced me, like, sometimes the guys with some poor character are really good players and you yep. can't pass on those guys. And, you know, he's convinced me that taking them is okay. And so that comes down to Mike McCarthy. That comes down to Dan Quinn. That comes down, you know, these coaches, you know, as a scout, you can only present what the player is. And then all of a sudden, legal comes in and says, well, wait a minute. 
you know, we've got to check on this and this and this and this. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, is it worth all this to, to, uh, to, to draft this player? And evidently legal checked out, you know, everything checked out with Dan Quinn, things checked out with the scouts, the workout checked out, and they picked the kid in the second round where most teams probably had him off the board. But every team is different that way. Some teams, some teams to, will tolerate off-the-field stuff if the player's a really, really good player. And the questions that I think a lot of people had was, has this guy played enough football to determine that he is a really, really good player? Cowboys have had a history of some really good second-round picks. But they've also had some of those head-scratchers, too. And I was a part of one with Jacob Rogers. You know, and I'll never forget, I'll never forget Jeff Ireland and Tom Saskowski telling Bill Parcells this. They said, you, I go, Bill, this guy is everything you hate in an offensive lineman. And we took him anyway. So that just shows you sometimes the coaches will override what the personnel guys say about the player. You are listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, before we move on to the next topic here, I need to remind you guys about our wonderful partner here at the Love the Star podcast. It is Boomer Jacks. And I keep telling you guys about Boomer Jacks, specifically what Boomer Jacks has ready for you on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. It's great wing deals. On Tuesdays, it's half-price bone-in wings. Wednesdays are half-price boneless wings. But they have great deals for you the rest of the time, too. They got drink specials starting at $3. They have $15 buckets of beer. There are wall-to-wall TVs. Every sporting event you could ever imagine is on the televisions there when you go to Boomer Jacks. They have TVs in the bathroom. There's literally not a time where you will miss a moment of the action. Live music, like I said, wall-to-wall TVs, great drink specials, great food. It's just a fantastic atmosphere for whatever you're looking for. And it's why we're so excited to have them as our partner here at Love the Star. There are 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That's boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, it is now time for our Dean Julia Love of the Star mailbag. We got several questions uh, relating to the roster and week one and things like that. First one here from Daniel Henshaw. What's the likelihood Jordan Lewis sees real time against the Giants? If not, who's cornerback four? Like uh, we mentioned, you were out of practice. He was out there working with the second team. Did he look fluid? Did he look okay? Is, Is week one too soon, you think? No, let's go. He looked fine for me. I mean, and the, the plan was when you talk to people in the organization, it wasn't, I'm thinking, I, I said, hey, is are we looking at a situation where you keep Jordan Lewis 
off the pup so if he gets ready he can play quick well i'm gonna i'm not gonna lie to you when i saw him out on the field today this morning you know working in the second nickel there i was like i was surprised but everybody there told me like yeah this is very similar to what we did with michael gallup but gallup wasn't ready to play i mean gallup got the opportunity to you know he was they kind of worked him back in but Hell, Jordan Lewis was right there on the field. I'm guarantee you tomorrow when we watch practice, he'll probably be out there again. So, you know, unless he had any kind of a setback, but I didn't see anything that led me to believe that Jordan Lewis was struggling out there today. Let's say he's not ready for week one. Um, you know, you've got Noah Igbenogany, you've got, um, but, but as Mike McCarthy said during his press conference, he said they view him pretty much as an outside player, not a nickel guy. Um, you know, Eric Scott, or Nashawn Wright has gone on IR. You've got Eric Scott Jr. I don't remember seeing him take many snaps in the nickel while no. we're out in training camp. Mm-mm. So let's say you get into a game and Deron Bland gets hurt. Who's playing the nickel if Jordan Lewis isn't ready in week one? Would you, I mean, who are you kicking in? Well, Bland, Bland is probably, right? Bland would be your... Right, right. I'm saying if Bland were to get hurt week one and Jordan Lewis isn't ready to play, like he gets hurt in the second quarter, who's playing nickel for you the rest of that game? Is it Mawamu? Yeah. Oh, uh... Well, that's that's a good question because as he acted because of the special team stuff, it might be because I mean, we might have to see when you know we'll see what they do with Iggy, you know, in these practice, some of these practice reps and stuff like that. You know, let's see if he if he gets the opportunity. You know, Noah might be a guy that they they kind of saw as a potential inside player because I mean I, I'm going to be honest with you. I mean my my guy I was talking to a, one of my pro buddies in the league about him. And and I was I was just really I was curious about you know and, and this is what my guy said about him, and I'm, I apologize if you've heard me on different platforms and stuff like that because I said this on 105.3 the fan, but I asked I go any good and my guy said good no functional yes athletic but instincts hold him back good dude wired right more of a fourth or fifth that can play special teams, so you know that's kind of where that and we'll see if he could play inside I don't know if he could play inside. I know when I watched him at Auburn, everything seemed to be on the outside. Might have to find out, you know, might have to, to sit down and watch a, a, a Dolphins preseason game and see where they played him. You know, did they play him inside or did they play him outside? But I think if you lose both, if you lose, like, you lose Bland and then you, and then, and then uh, Lewis isn't ready, I mean, man, you're, you're probably F to begin with there anyway. You know, that kind of thing. You're going to have to move. I wonder if Gilmore can play that spot. You know what I'm saying? I wonder if you move Gilmore into that area and and go from there. I'm not sure. So I know I remember, like I said, I know Mukwamu took some snaps there uh, last year during training. But he he plays, he plays when, and this is an interesting take. And I forgot who I was talking to, but they said that when you watch Mukwamu play against bigger receivers, like the ones like in Tampa and, and stuff like that. I mean, I think I was with Foch Lombardi. I think, was it Vach that said this? Somebody said this, and, I, and it's a really good point. When he plays against the bigger bigger slots, he seems to do fine. When he plays with smaller quickers, look what happened to him with Jackson Smith and Jigba and, and Kirk and guys like that when he had opportunities. It's not as good. So maybe that's something that we need to, like what we say, keep an eye on this. Well, maybe you really do need to keep an eye on this. Yeah, and, and just kind of glancing over uh, the Giants roster here, trying to see 
Yeah, I mean, you've got... They got rid Jaylen of all their Hyatt, slot guys, yeah. Jalen Hyatt, Wandell Robinson. Yeah, that's not going to be... Uh, that, that's not your your bigger guys, necessarily. Yeah. Uh, next question here from Todd Corey. He wants to know, if Tyron misses a few weeks, are you guys going Tyler Smith to left tackle or Awesome Richards to left tackle? What What is the mix? Is it Chuma Idoga, maybe? Maybe Idoga is the guy that they roll out there. God, I hope not. I mean, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't mean to be mean, and I'm not trying to be that guy. I honestly did not see anything from a Doga at offensive tackle that led me to believe that everything is going to be okay. I did see improvement from – I actually saw guys like Ball get a little bit better. You know, well, let's go – you know, he's out of the mix. Me personally, the guy that my number six guy – you got your five starters, my number six guys is TJ Bass. So – I'm plugging TJ Bass in the game, and I'm probably going to kick uh, Tyler Smith out there because I know Tyler Smith can play at a high level at left tackle. So, the ball, ball, uh, Bass has shown me, Bass has shown me enough that if I had to plug him in the game, it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be glamorous. It's going to be tough. It's going to be gritty. It's going to be hard nosed. But I, I think I'm playing him. Or they might, you know. But again, they might say awesome Richards. Might be a guy that we plug, and we need to keep an eye again. <laughs> keep an eye on these things, uh, but I just kind of feel like to me, ball up. Oh, I keep saying ball. Bass is my my sixth guy. Awesome Richards would be my seventh guy right now. Next question here. Uh, for you us, agree maybe. with that, or am I? Am I? No, no, no. I think that that's probably. Look, if you if you're just committed to, you don't want to move. You don't want to move Tyler Smith outside. Which, like, yeah, which they very well could. But, I mean, I could say, yeah. And then, then it's let, awesome Richards, yeah. Let, let's say that's what you want to do. I would I would go Bass inside, Tyler outside. I wonder if they would – I wonder if, if a guy like Mike Solari and Brian Schottenheimer, um, you know, Mike McCarthy, if they look at it, especially McCarthy and Schottenheimer – if they look at it as I, I think those are two guys who do value experience on the offensive line. So I would wonder if they would just go, it doesn't matter. We don't, we don't, we feel like we won't miss assignments with Edoga. Right. Like, like you know, is he the best? No, there's, but there's no way. For silly I'm just telling you, maybe there's no way. It just, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sorry. And not everybody gets to go against Micah Parsons. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and he made a lot of guys look bad. But it, it wasn't just Micah Parsons. It was others that were getting pass rush on Adoga. And they think he's different than I do. And um, I'm, you know what? They, they, like I told, like I told somebody over there the other day, like I told Will McClay, I said, hey, that's why you're in scouting and I'm still doing, I'm doing media, you know, because that's just the way it is, you know. As Bruce Hornsby would say. Uh, next one here from Stevie J. Bruce Hornsby in the range, right? Yeah, that's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. Good song. Can you, can you rank how you felt these guys played in the preseason? Awesome Richards, TJ Bass, Matt Maletsko, Brian, I don't know about you. I, I'm guessing we're going to have the same just by hearing you talk about it. For me, it was TJ Bass, Awesome Richards, Matt Maletsko. Bingo. Maletsko, Maletsko disappointed me. He, I was he did. Look, I was hoping he'd look more There's ready. a there's a couple of those guys that kind of reverted back to like, what are you doing? They, you know, we talked about Mukwamu might be an injury situation. You know, well, let's go. I kind of felt like that, you know, here, put on some more weight, uh, kind of figure some things out. You know, he's a tough guy, can handle things. He just looked okay. He, you know, there wasn't that. I, I, I wonder, Bobby, and I hope this isn't the case. 
that the one thing that Joe Philbin kind of did was develop some young guys. He 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 had a handle on some young players that Joe Philbin. Mm-hmm. I hope that Mike Solari. I hope they don't lose that, and we're getting we're getting linemen like I. I wonder Terrence Steele. I don't know if Terrence Steele revert back to a little bit some things because I mean his guy, his guy, his sponsor was Joe Philbin. You know, I mean he was Joe Philbin was with him every single day, every step of the way, proving us wrong the whole time. I, I hope that we. I hope he doesn't lose lose that. Last one here uh, from Dally Sports. Uh, Nashawn Wright, once healthy. Hmm. Eric Scott Jr., Noah Igbenogany. Which or who plays over who? So I, I guess basically just stack the depth chart there past Lewis. I would guess it's Scott to me is probably at the very back. I think they Very back, draw. yes. yes. He's, they're, they're bringing him along. Yep. He's an inactive guy every single right. week. I would I would guess right above Igbenogany at this point. at this point right you're absolutely right and yes. so when Nashawn Wright is held I think they want to see it from him yes I, I think it's it's like it, it's not necessarily a well he's just so much better than Igbenogany I think they just feel like well we got to find out about him yeah. and so he needs to be up further to the the front because we got to get some answers there so you would agree that it's it's right Igbenogany and then Eric Scott yes. Look at that. We finish on agreement on these last two. It's amazing. Uh, By the way, nice fight you had on your show this morning with Sean defending yeah. defending uh that we we played that as Which a, I think yeah, I think I think you probably sided uh I, I didn't hear it, but I'm guessing you sided with Sean. No, I just no, I I no, no, I I just I was listened fairly to both sides. I I rode the fence on this one. I rode the I fence. Just, my, no, my, I will say this like, though. It, the acquisition it, of Trey Lance is not the normal acquisition of a third-string quarterback. But but the point you made about we didn't hold a press conference for you know when we added you know we made a trade for a corner, Biggie. yeah we didn't make you know so to me there's some very good points there for both sides. I I really enjoyed it though. That's why you should listen to Bobby and Sean and RJ every morning five thirty to ten. You might get a practice report from me. You know you never know. We did. You got one today. You maybe if you're listening when this is posted on Tuesday, you know this will come out in the morning. You'll get another practice report. Make sure you're listening to the to the fan. We got you covered. That's why you got to listen at all times mm-hmm. uh, to the Love of the Star and 105 through the fan. Uh, that does it for us here today on Love of the Star. We'll have more for you guys here shortly. We've, of course, got the Giants game that we got to look forward to, and I'm sure we'll see some more roster moves as we get along. Uh, but for Brian Broaddus, I'm Bobby Belt. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you guys again next time.